Hello and welcome to Cold Pizza, our weekly podcast from Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio, where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or any other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice with us and join us this week with our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) Back as hosting is myself, and then I have Pastor Matt. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, Pastor Jeff is still recovering from apparently the plague uh, (laughs) of the century. Of which he tries harder than anybody I know to stay away from. He does. Yeah. This is a blessed reminder to him that he is not sovereign. God is. (laughs) Like that, control idols. I love you guys. All of you, with with the goodness. Uh, this week, this our sermon was titled "Don't Lose Your Salvation," and I don't have to use air quotes. <laughs> and I also don't have to use air quotes on the air here, so thank you for that. Uh, we're from Hebrews chapter six, verses four through eight. Um, do you you have anything you want to add to that title? Um, <laughs> just just if you could read it with a measure of snarkiness. I. I <clears throat> Could you reread it? Don't lose your salvation. I uh, don't have to use air quotes. <laughs> there you go. Just, See, that's better. Is that dismissive enough? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, I've been told I'm pretty good at that on accident. <laughs> yeah. I'll take this. I just, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I said it in my sermon, but I think if you have to, if you don't interpret them as believers, then what in the world does falling away mean? I mean, you you have to, I think you have to twist falling away to mean something uh, different than what is uh, more easily read there. So, yeah, I uh, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, one, I guess, clarification I wanted to bring that I think you were pretty clear about, but just for the sake of clarity, you presented those two options, right? You had option one, option two. Yeah. And you said that ultimately you you believe and you're going to continue um, preaching as it was option two. These are believers. Uh, he's not preaching to people who uh, look like Christians but are not, but they are believers. Mm-hmm. Whereas option one, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, was it could be people who will fall away. Or it could be believers that might. No. No, unless I'm misunderstanding your question. Um, No, it is, these are fake believers. Fake believers. Yeah, so it'd be, yeah, just someone who comes along, even professes faith in Christ, has a lot of things that look like the fruit of a Christian, Mm -hmm. but aren't actually a Christian. So that would be, in the parable of the sower... Okay, that's that's where I wanted to get. I was going to say, we weren't denying that Category 1 is a real and biblical thing. Yeah, well, category one, if not category one in this passage, but not in this passage. That's what. Yeah, category one of there being people who look like Christians who aren't actually Christians. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other passages that yeah. deal with that. So for that person who looks like a Christian but isn't really a Christian, who seemingly falls away from Christianity, there still is a chance of them coming back to faith in Christ. Yes, right. So in the parable of the sower. And I think you got to be really careful because I think this is where a lot of people get confused. I even saw this in my home group last week as we were studying the passage ahead. They wanted to immediately compare this passage to the parable of the yeah. sower. And I don't think you can do that. 
Because in the parable of the sower, if you think of soils one, two, three, and four, if you think about those four, you got the first soil, uh, which is the good soil. Uh, I mean, I can't remember the, the order in which they're presented. But you have only one soil of which there is a seed that actually takes root of a redeemed person. We don't understand the other three to be actually redeemed people. Mm -hmm. They just had uh, stuff, they had things that looked like a redeemed person. Yeah. So in category, back to then Hebrews passage, for those who understand these these people here in Hebrews as being... Uh, if you put that in terms of the soil parable, for them, the person who falls away is necessarily s- bad soils three, four, and five. Or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, two, three, and four. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is that Hebrews is not addressing soils two, three, and four. He's mm-hmm. only addressing soil one. So you can't compare the two soils, although the multiple soils thing, to your point and to the point of clarification, is a reality. So yeah. there are going to be people who look like Christians who aren't that then seemingly fall away and then come back to faith in Christ. So I'm saying they can't come back to faith in Christ. Uh, they can come to Christ for the first time. Mm-hmm. There is no coming back to faith in Christ because there is no second chances for the apostate. That's clear in this passage, whether or not you agree with the assessment of yeah. this is a believer or an unbeliever, that that's, that's true for, for option one or option two. And my point is, though, what does that even mean, though, if you're an option one? Yeah. So w- why would he go on to say that there is no second chances for the apostate if the apostate isn't actually someone who was a believer who fell away? In the first place. And what? And where else in the Bible would we remotely come to this conclusion that for someone who who wasn't actually redeemed but was kind of floating around the church and joined, where would we actually hold that they can't come to faith in Christ, mm-hmm. seemingly coming back to faith in Christ? I, that just doesn't fit in, in anything else that I've read in the Bible. Coming back is a pride thing. Yeah, I mean it's, it's it a could, sentimental be, because component. I think if you hold that it's uh, if you hold that number one the category that the un that it's a fake looking Christian, um, I think we have examples of people who are professing faith that then walk away that seemingly come back. Like I just I don't think you can hold that. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't know. What do you think about like the the prodigal son? I mean, the prodigal son's status of son never changed. He renounces his sonship in, in a sense and comes back. Um, I don't know. Have you thought about how that relates to this passage? I don't know that you can do a one for one on that. Because, yeah, I don't think so either. Because sonship is conferred at birth. That's true. So in that sense, I would say that he. Essentially, he never had it. Is what he wished and wanted. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's a that's a harder one. My my fear was that people would walk away yesterday, 
hearing us say that the first category is not a thing in the Bible. It is. The first category of someone who... Uh, Looks like, but isn't. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that soils two, three, and four. Yeah, and can come uh, or and can be restored in the sense of that's what we base church discipline on. Yeah. Right? But your point yesterday was we're not talking about that in Hebrews. Correct. That's not this. Correct. We are yeah. we are solely talking about soil one. We're talking mm-hmm. about the good soil, the seed that was truly redeemed, that took roots. It really what helps keep it good soil <laughs> is, <laughs> is what your questions went. I mean, you didn't have uh, points in our classic sense yesterday, but you're asking several questions to help us wrap our heads around this. Who are the recipients of this warning? That's what we've been talking about mm-hmm. uh, since we started this morning. Uh, but then what's the nature of this warning? What are the consequences for failing to heed them? So that you start to get really into unpacking uh, what constitutes the soil, who who made the soil that way, who's tending that. And then finally, how does this teach us God's faithfulness, essentially? Um, so, yeah, I think that was, that was a great way to, to set it up of asking, helping people see. I mean, one of the things we want in our preaching is to model, in a sense, how to properly interpret the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so in this way, you, you essentially get a, a short Bible study <laughs> mm-hmm. on how to process the right questions of all the way back to audience and target Yeah, yeah. here. So that, that I think is super valuable. Let me, uh, this, I know this is not on our talk, our show notes here, but like, uh, in the, in the recipients thing, I, I didn't, I did not go here in the sermon. I, I, I wasn't, certainly wasn't obligated by the text, but um, I could have, and that is dealing with the the pronouns that are used. <clears throat> so, pre this passage, the passage you preached, and the passage I'm going to preach this upcoming Sunday, he's he's using second person pronouns. Like he's talking about you guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to this passage I just preached, and it's third person. Well, from my studies, from what I can tell. There's no actual third-person pronouns in the Greek there, but they're supplied to us in interpretation. In, in an interpret, um, I can't say the word uh, for interpretation reasons. They're supplied to us by the translators. Yeah. But what's trying to be communicated here is um, not that he's talking to a whole separate group of people, but what he's communicating here is that this is not true of you guys yet mm-hmm. so that's why he's, the other he's stuff talk- might be yeah so that's why he's talking about it in a way well, well so we'll go we'll go back the the milk thing is true of you guys right now mm-hmm. the what he's getting ready to say in the next about um but i i, f- I feel pretty good about where you guys are at right now like mm-hmm. in general that's true of them right now yeah. But the warning is not true of them right now, but it could be in the near future, prospectively, right? Yeah. So that's why the switch, that's A, that's why the switch in pronouns, but that's also why in the Greek, the third person pronouns aren't there mm. because he's not trying to talk about it in a completely separate group of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. But we, we don't have a way translation wise to to communicate that this is a uh this is not true of you guys yet mm-hmm. 
unless you break from a more word-for-word formal translation scheme. Like, y'all maybe not yet? Exactly. Like, <laughs> this, this, this isn't true of y'all yet, but it could be eventually. Like, that... You can read that into that as an interpretation, but but in a more formal translation, like what we use, the NASB, the ESV, the CS, uh, CSB, the even the NIV, and so on, are, are not. There's not room in the translation rules to add a whole nother half a sentence. Um, there. Yeah, that would be a little bit harder to put on my business card and name tags for my identifying pronouns. <laughs> Yes. Pronouns are y'all maybe not yet. Y'all maybe not yet. Yeah. I identify as y'all maybe not yet. You should go ask. That'd be maybe really confusing. Yeah, we'll play their game. That's fine. <laughs> I might be something different tomorrow though. Y'all maybe not yet, but could be yeah. changed tomorrow. Y'all looking like it. Yeah. <laughs> Which way the wind blowing today? Mm-hmm. I like that. That's 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 really helpful. I think structuring it that way too really helped outline for us um, how to how to work through. A passage like that and a particularly difficult one i mean those are um these are things that can be known and unpacked as you've done for us but it's some texts are take a little bit more work through through them mm-hmm. yeah i was great i just love the fact that this passage came on the heels of milk and meat <laughs> i know surprise <laughs> here you Not go really. here you go have a whole practice all at once <laughs> yeah open wide oh man yeah put in your dentures <laughs> so with this uh with this passage you did spend um i mean the majority of the sermon expositing it for us helping us understand um i spent majority of the sermon explaining mentally the passage that's what i mean <laughs> that's what i said no you said expositing. expositing expositing includes application yeah so i spent I spent an abnormal amount of time on the cerebral aspect of expositing. Explaining, yes. And so, so don't make me mansplain this to you. All right. Yeah, you can keep trying. Um, <laughs> so we want to go into more of, I guess, a fuller exposition of application, uh, which is a different word. Um, so moving from the explanation into more application. Uh, there's a sense and uh, where we uh, particularly with last week's passage the rest stuff um of overcomplicating some of this application there's also a struggle though too where uh, where i was last week of wanting to not cut your meal down for you but like you can handle a knife and a fork if you can eat meat mm-hmm. so how how would we walk some of that balance of application in a text like this where don't overcomplicate it? I mean, essentially, we're really just saying trust God mm-hmm. for his righteousness, for that engine, that power, and then go do what you're supposed to do versus, you know, here, why don't you cut into a little bit with a knife? Uh, yeah, I, I th- when I think about um, milk, meat, knife, fork, I don't think in terms of milk and meat, just in terms of cerebral uh, difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's also applicational difficulty too. Yeah, it's not just so, about being able to chew or not chew, but can you digest it? So I don't think you can check the box if I'm eating meat just because you've gained understanding on a complex idea. 
Or listen to complicated ideas. Or listen to complicated and then regurgitate them to someone else. I don't know what any of this means, but I hear it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Check. I do hard hard things. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, um, yeah. You know, I think the other box that's got to be checked if you're going to be a faithful meat eater is like you got to. You can't just chew it. You got to actually swallow it, and it's got to become fuel, and it's got to then do something. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you you brought this up as you were walking around my farm. Is you know the, these cows eat grass all day long, and somehow their body turns that into protein mm-hmm. in the form of steak. I mean, that's just insane. So it's called alchemy. I, I like my veggies as well in the form of steak, mm-hmm. right? Amen. Um, like that, that's delicious. I, so you got you got to swallow the steak. So in my mind, I, there's I'm okay with with cutting it up into more bite sized pieces, um, but you can't be okay with just chewing on that and and quote musing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to go do something with it. So and being able to take the word of God. And apply that so that it comes out every pore of your body or every fingertip. That takes a lot of meat eating work because mm-hmm. now you've got to take. I mean, uh, I mean, listen. It, it, it's 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 actually easy to take a hard biblical concept and to understand it mentally. That's not what's hard. Yeah. The hard part is then how does that apply when I'm talking to my wife or when I'm disciplining my kids or when I'm turning wood in my workshop or I'm I'm making coffee or I'm watering the chickens I mean, like or when I'm dealing with a, a prodigal child or you know th- those that's the moments that it's hard that's that's your, where it, your questions of belief yeah that's where it takes the the uh, a meat eating capability to pull that off mm-hmm. so i don't know if that i think that answers your question but yeah it does because i wanted to use another i used a lot of analogies last week so i'll cut this one out and also i didn't want to mommy shame on accident um but like to move children into something that's actually more helpful for them the, the temptation once they're past the milk is just to do you know pizza rolls and chicken nuggets all the time mm-hmm. um which you know I like pizza rolls, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I prefer pizza. I like it when they don't burn your mouth. To, to the point. Yeah, we made a comic with uh, August during the pandemic about that and how to blow fire through them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't want a mommy shame. There's there's room for, for pizza rolls and chicken nuggets. But as you, you think about trying to actually mature and do something with the fuel, you want better nutrients. You want better food Mm -hmm. to your point of like eating it and doing something with it like we don't eat a you know a gram of protein per pound a body weight for satiety right you Mm -hmm. do it to build muscle yeah um so that you can then go do something with that muscle yeah i think that's helpful and when we have this passage it is as simple as really extending um verse three like when that's what struck me as you got to the end of the sermon and talking about what is, how does this teach us about God's faithfulness? These, uh, these situations teach us about that. And the whole thing that you're describing of him sitting in the side yard and making sure that you follow the rule essentially is the same as verse three. This we will do if God permits. 
So we'll leave the things before and go on to maturity, verse 3, if God permits. And then verse 4 starts with 4. Mm-hmm. It's very closely related to, to that aspect of this is this is in God's hands, Yeah, uh, the whole deal. Yeah, and, and I think it just highlights our man-centeredness approach to this, which, I mean, mm-hmm. there's room for that. It's a warning to you. It's like, hey, freak out potentially about this danger. Like, yeah. It should hit you in your humanity, but... The man-centeredness of him of us missing the if God permits, it's like it's, mm-hmm. it's up to him. He's sovereign in this. He has to permit it. Yeah, yeah. I think that helps a lot when it comes to even our application of the passage like this. Yeah, Russ. Like if 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 the Lord is the one sovereign over this, like He's the one, then that really is at least part, um, certainly the root of the of the um, power um, by which we can live in this more uh, offense uh, or enacting, as I said it on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, Go on. Let's let's go on. Yeah. 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 And I just, I, you know, as a preacher, as a pastor, I I see so little um, inactive like inacting or offensive living by Christians it was true of a lot of my life too I mean um, we just kind of sit by and let things happen um, we kind of have this pacifistic uh, posture you know um, we just can't um, we just just kind of let life happen to us um, and that's how we approach our Bible study that's how we approach our our life in the church, we just kind of come and, you know, kind of sit by and, uh, you know, it's almost like we just, uh, well, it's, it's, it's just what the world does. You see this, um, I was talking to someone about they're trying to disciple some people they thought were hopefully believers from their workplace. <clears throat> they had many Bible studies with them. And, and there's one particular example in the situation where, uh, she, I think really what she wanted, the, uh, this lost person wanted was, uh, what, or what she was coming for was just to get a hug, essentially mm-hmm. just a relational hug. Um, and then, cause she was in the middle of some hard relationship with her, uh, almost now divorced husband. And then when something else shiny came along, uh, another dude who could give her a better hug than what these Christians could give her, then she went for that. Yeah. Right? So that's that's part of the danger here. If we're not actively pursuing the Lord, if we're not actively knowing, actively building his kingdom, actively seeking to love him more, actively teaching others about him, you all should be teachers by now. If you're not actively doing that, growing, striving, then, and you're just letting things come across your desk, then you're going to get swept away when the next shiny thing comes along. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's the scary thing is you can do that all while still coming to church. Yeah. And that's where some, even some of our members, that's where they're at. They, they come week in and week out, and they even serve. But in their lives, in their soul, their inner man, they're just bouncing 
from one shiny thing to the next. Yeah. And as soon as something shinier comes along or when this shininess becomes too costly for them, mm. right, then they're going to go to something else. Yeah. Um, and that that's yeah it's just it's 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 so that picture though there goes more towards the seed that fell among the thorns right yeah okay so in this passage then well well, hang on what do you mean the seeds that fell among the the thorns were choked out by the concerns of this world the shiny thing um i i i I guess what i'm after is like i feel like application for this passage maybe isn't a list of don'ts uh but simply and only do's no no i think it's both okay. I, so i think that the <laughs> this is what it's gonna sound like i'm talking on both sides of my mouth i i'm i'm really not but the the choked out by the weeds or the thorn and thistles still applies in this person's life so just because the 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 uh what's the word uh not not nemesis um the uh, uh whatever initiated it the cause or the I don't, I don't i don't want to say cause impetus because cause is still ultimately your own sinful proclivities but the thing that kind of spurred or helped that along mm-hmm. can be the same in both categories. Okay. So in the category of the of the unbeliever who looks like a Christian, he can be swept away and choked out by pleasures of this world. Well, I think the same thing's true for the believer the, according to this Hebrews. The street and car is still there. The street yeah. Yes, yeah. the danger is still there. The street and the car, the, the desire to even want to run out there is still there. Yes, that makes sense. That's fair. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I, I don't think we have to. No, that's good. Separate those and pit them against each other. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then, uh, the don't the don'ts can still then be there. Don't run the road. <laughs> yeah, because because I th- yes yes exactly. So I think if you, uh, so say you're an active church member, faithful proclaiming Christ. But you're not actually redeemed, and you get choked out by the weeds, and you're no longer professed to be a Christian, and then you uh, walk back in repentance and faith. I I think the thing is for you, you just you you're not rededicating your life to the Lord. You never were a Christian in the first place. But I think the distinguishing factor there would be someone. There's a big difference between someone who, uh, and I tried to draw this out on Sunday, but there's a big difference between someone who walks away from the church and from following Christ, but doesn't denounce the name of Christ. Like, I still believe in Jesus. I still, you know, they're just loving their sin more. I think in this Hebrews passage, this is it's more on the spectrum, to the end of the spectrum of someone who's saying, I don't believe in Jesus any longer. Mm -hmm. Like, that is apostate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Right? So that's why in church discipline, when we excommunicate someone for um, sin... Unrepentant sin. Unrepentant sin, uh, that still claims to be a follower of Jesus, that's why we leave great hope for them to come back in Mm -hmm. faith. But someone who 
is excommunicated because of apostasy, because yeah. they've denounced. I think there's still room for us to pray for them, but... but well, That's more in the unforgivable sin component. You can't come back because you've denied the fact of the Holy Spirit in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but, to, to renounce the Holy Spirit is your only access back. Yeah. So what I'm saying... So here is that person who... So even the person who's excommunicated for apostasy, we, um, because we also believe that God does not lose any of his children, mm-hmm. should pray that that person come to faith in Christ for the first time. Yeah. So I think that's how we pray for that person. We don't pray that they come back to Jesus. For the person, though, that's deep in unrepentant sin, that's not renouncing the name of Christ. Yeah, that's more of an affections issue. Yeah. For that person, we pray that they would come, they would either get saved because there's that big chance, or we pray that they would come back to uh, to Christ. Yeah, let's uh, see the end of their sin. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really helpful. That, that helps on the distinguishing piece. Yeah. So for the believer then who is a believer, they're in the backyard, but they're for some reason questioning their salvation, doubting their salvation. How do we help this person see where they are in the yard and what's going on? Yeah, um, I, I I don't want to pretend uh, or give off the impression rather that that uh, there's a one size fits all in this, or that there's not any other approaches to handle this. Um, uh, but I think the way we typically go about this is probably at least not helpful if <laughs> yeah, I'll say that at least not helpful. I think the way we typically counsel that person is uh, let's go find a date i I, th- I think that's uh, let's go where, where what was the day you prayed a prayer? Thank you I was gonna say <laughs> yeah, go find a date means different things <laughs> <laughs> right no no uh, no matchmaking apps needed here. <laughs> So uh, where <laughs> you have you a match the, made in heaven here? That's you right, see that, with Jesus? Very yeah. nice. <laughs> when did you walk the aisle? Swipe right. this way, swipe that way. Oh, we could put that at the front on the altar. <laughs> yes, that'd be great. So uh, then, I think more helpful is saying, um, "So where are you laying your hand now?" Right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, where? Who are you trusting? What are you trusting in right now for redemption? Um, and then from there, you know, a couple thoughts here. I, I think that person is probably doubting, um, for two reasons, one negative, uh, and one, uh, well, a couple negatives and one positive. I think one of the negatives is you're probably doubting because you're probably walking a life of unfaithfulness. Hmm. It, it might like, seem I, dark around because you're walking in a lot of darkness. Yeah, like it might seem dark because you're not doing sheepy things, mm-hmm. to use your words from a few sermons ago. Like, uh, now that's where I'm saying I don't think that's every case, um, but I think there's a lot of cases that now don't just think uh, because you're walking unfaithfully that you're undoubting that I simply mean like you're not reading your Bible enough or you're not um, going to church enough. I mean, those certainly could be the sheepy things that you're not doing. 
But the sheepy things that you're not doing is you may not be disciplining your kids for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You may not be telling your affections to get in the back seat. Mm-hmm. You may not be uh, going to work to serve your neighbor for the glory of God. Like you may not be walking faithfully and Back to your question earlier, we tend to, uh, we can overcomplicate things really easily. Um, this coming su- sermon, I'm going to talk about, like, he sees fruit in these people that is giving him a measure of assurance that they're actually saved. Well, what is that fruit? Well, that fruit, he's not talking primarily about the fruits of the Spirit there. He's not primarily talking about uh, the fruit of uh, the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. What he's talking about is is the practical outworkings of their life. Um, I think it includes the fruit, but but it's these practical things that we go do unto the glory of God that uh, stir in us these affections, and we overlook. Like like I think if you really if you sat out at the beginning of the day. Say you're someone who's doubting your faith, or maybe you're just generally discouraged, and you sat out to to everything you do for the day, to mindfully do it under the glory of God, to mindfully do it with a heart of thankfulness and and gratitude. This is where I that, leaned into abide that, last week. Yeah, that right there is going to change. Why? So back to the analogy of being in the backyard. Because now you've learned that the backyard, you're practicing the reality and the belief that the backyard is the best place to be. Mm-hmm. See, and, and that's when, when, we, when we're not doing that, then we think the side yard or the road is the best place to be. Yeah. And, and that's, so, so I think, A, you've probably been unfaithful and your hand is probably on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. That's why you're doubting your salvation. Your faith is probably in your faith, um, and your faith can't be in your faith. Your faith has to be in the Lamb. Yep. Right? Uh, Your faith is in your feeling of assurance, and that's not where you're—yeah, if your faith is in your feeling of assurance, then then listen, I'm— I might blow up some of your assurance right now because I'm going to talk about this on Sunday. That's what Pink said last week. I but use it. You, you and I cannot know infallibly whether or not we are truly redeemed. You can't. Yep. I, that, that's why, like, I think in this next passage where he says, I feel as though. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's not that 100% certainty. So if you're looking for a, a, a certainty of, of redemption, you will have that certainty when you see his face and he says, come on in. Yep. You'll have that certainty that you want right now when you are changed into him because you are changed to be like him because you have seen him, mm-hmm. right? So be like him when we see him. So... You can't. So that your hand is in the wrong thing. Yep. That's where that's tricky because your hand. But it's not tricky because what are you going to do anyways? You're going to pursue the celestial city. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Right, 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 right. 
And so, well, I'm going to get there. I'm gonna, let me get there in a second. Let me get there in a second because if you're doubting, that's probably you still on the path to the celestial city. Like you just stopped, mm-hmm. and you got there for a second. You got to choose. Yeah. Am I going to keep walking or am I going to turn around back? I mean, that that's the moment of doubt. It's yep. it, it hits you, and, and, and you got you got a split second to make up your mind because there is no neutral. Uh, but where. Where it's tricky is where are you placing your hand at right now? We tend to think, well, am I in? Am I placing my hand in doing righteous things, or am I doing it in Jesus? And you say, well, I'm not putting it in my doing righteous things. It is in Jesus, but I still don't feel saved. Hmm. Okay, you are narrowly understanding where you're placing your hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where I'm saying. In that moment, what you're probably placing your your hand on for redemption is something much much less tangible. You're probably placing it on how you how much you feel saved. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that right there is your lamb. That's if I could just feel redeemed, then then I then I can walk with assurance. Yeah, and that that's not where. The writer of Hebrews goes in the next passage. Mm-hmm. He doesn't base it on, uh, which I, I know this like just goes against our anti-legalistic culture that we're in. But uh, or, or, and and what I mean by that is our terrible understanding of what legalism actually is. <laughs> but where where the author of Hebrews goes is he actually goes to to their works, yeah, to to give them assurance. Whoa. So. Um, the, the last thing I want to say with the, the doubt is that the actual act of you doubting, make sure that you kind of bring with that is that that's also an example of you caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Which is likely the Lord's disciplining work in your soul. Yeah. That's him sitting at the corner of the house in his chair, making sure you don't go into the front yard. Yeah, there's a dissonance that, that you should feel of wanting to be more like Jesus than you are. Yeah, so when you have that doubt, like I'm telling you, that should be a measure of assurance. Mm-hmm. Like, that you care. Yeah, because who doesn't care? Pagans. Goats. <laughs> Goats. That's right. Yeah, they just eat your shirt. Yep. Yeah. That's that's really helpful. I, I think that that's a a big deal when it comes to like what are you what actually are you gonna do? So are you gonna try harder to get out of the backyard? Mm-hmm. What's what does that change? You know. So I really like that aspect of uh, Pilgrim's Progress with the girls are rooting. Um, is we're always pursuing the celestial city. Yeah. I have this letter from the king. He's going to let me in. I'm gonna go there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I appreciate your help with this passage this week. Uh, I hope that it's been helpful for you guys to keep exploring parts of this. Um, it's a theme that continues to develop uh, as you were even pulling from across the whole book yesterday. Uh, and I think it's really helpful for that. But with that, we'll head on to uh, to see what he really thinks about these folks this next week, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We will see you guys next week. I want to encourage you, as always, to go and know, love, and obey. Jesus is Lord over all. We'll see you later. See you guys.